Today on the podcast, Northwestern unionizes, Johnny Football has his pro day, the 76ers are terrible, tournament talk, NFL news and notes, and we'll finish it off with Answer Me These Questions 3. Stay tuned for the podcast. Welcome into the podcast. Adam Hawking here, Ben Sherman there. Here, there, everywhere. I am everywhere. Everywhere around you. Ubiquitous, omnipresent. Before you were born and after you die. Little little priest. You can follow us at TDIS underscore humblebrag. You can follow Ben Sherman at little priest. Um, I think it's like at ball sweat or something like that. It's at ball sweat. Yeah. Uh, thedayinsports.com and download us on iTunes. Just search The Day in Sports. Yeah. Hi, Ben. Hi, Adam. How are you? Good. How are You're, you? I'm good. You were sick yesterday. I was sick yesterday. You feeling better? No. A but, little bit. But I, you showed up. Yeah. No, I, I I do feel better. Yesterday it was just... No, it's just you know sometimes you 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 push the you push the old system a little too hard and weird stuff happens to it and then it freaks you out and that makes you even feel worse kind of. Ninety percent of the game is half mental. Yeah. Right. The other sixty percent is three fourths physical. That's true. Um, okay. First story. I, th- I think it's a big story. Kind of underplayed in my opinion um, because you know Johnny Manziel wore shoulder pads to a pro day. So I loved it. Northwestern players unionize. Correct. Um, so, Chicago District of National Labor Relations Board ruling says that the players qualify as employees and can unionize. Now, this is from Lester Munson, ESPN legal guy. I like Lester Munson. And then I'll get your reaction. So, let me just Or is let it me Lester Bagley? It. No, that's a Vikings front office guy. Never mind. Same deal. Continue. It is a historic first step in a process that, together with litigation against the NTAA and legislation in Congress, could change the face of college sports if the decision is upheld, because it's subject to appeal. It will give players at private universities a voice in the management of their lives as athletes and students. It will qualify players for workers' comp benefits, for injuries that occur during their playing careers, benefits that will cover them well into their futures, blah, 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 blah. And the players' union will open the way for salaries for athletes in football and men's basketball. So basically, the first step to getting people paid, not getting players paid, not through the NCAA, but kind of weaving around the NCAA. Right. Ben Sherman, your thoughts? The more I think about it, like at first I, I didn't quite understand, I guess. I wasn't necessarily, you know, in tune with that. But the amount of money that those athletes bring to those institutions and the rigors that they go through to maintain their um, eligibility and all that stuff really does come down to an employee-employer relationship. I mean, the, the university can dictate what they do with their free time, um, you know, to some extent, and absolutely what they do while they're on campus, what kind of grades they're supposed to get, and they're compensating them with a very, very... Uh, valuable education, you know, some of those places, hundreds of thousands of dollars in tuition. And I, I, I agree with you, and I think a lot of times, like, you know, how they talk about players that 
like especially with a Northwestern or a Duke basketball, like players that don't have the normal requisite requirements to get in there yeah. may get accepted because they're athletes. So it may mean that they're coming from a background that normally could not afford a college education. Right. So I think if you're going to make special allowances to let them represent your university so that you can benefit, right. it's only right that you pay them back. Well, and, you know, to be fair, I, I think that they do that also with um, academic scholarships. You know, you could come from a poor background and be the smartest kid. You know, obviously you have that. You have kids that, you know, don't come from the most wealthy families, but they work really hard. They have great grades, and they get a full ride academically. And they're technically representing the university in some capacity, depending on, yeah. you know, what program they go into and what, you know, committees and clubs they join and such. Um so I think it's a little gray there, but at the same time, what really does it for me, I think, is the revenue that these athletes bring to the um, institutions themselves. I mean, there's just no looking away from that kind of money, especially in college football. And I would say this to your earlier point is that um, when you're a student at a university, even if you're an excellent political science or astrophysics student or whatever mm -hmm. that, that can afford a full-ride scholarship... Um, you know, then, then the university is paying for you to get an education, right? Yes. Um, which is incredibly valuable. But if you're an athlete, uh, it might not be as valuable for you. And I just think that you're bringing in more to the university in terms of additional revenue, much more than someone that would get just a purely academic scholarship. Oh, yeah. So I think that I, I totally agree. I think that. if you yeah. earn an academic scholarship and you're just going to be a student, you're kind of starting at zero, so you have no debt, which is a great thing. Um, but if you're an athlete, you're starting at zero, but then you're starting to also contribute dollars to the university. Right. And I think that they weren't being paid. And, you know, the more you look at it from that perspective also, it's like they've they've paid for their education, most of them, I should say. You know, they've paid for their education and then some yeah. with the money that they brought into to those programs. Now, that doesn't go for everybody. I mean, you've got guys on those teams on Division One, because I'm assuming most Division One football players don't pay to go to school. No, I wouldn't think so. I would imagine probably near near to zero. Yeah. Um, so, and you've got, you know, Tom Vilsack, who sits on the end of the bench and, you know, doesn't really do a whole lot on the field throughout the court, maybe never plays. Or you're Rudy Rudigers, yeah. you know. Um, so those guys, I mean, they're probably not contributing as much to the revenue stream for the university is maybe your your starting quarterbacks, your your uh, you know star players and such. That's the other thing that's kind of difficult. Um, I wrote an article about this months ago, but how you kind of decide who gets paid what because yeah. you're right, some guys don't contribute as much. So a fullback at Northwestern versus the starting quarterback at Texas could be a fifty million dollar difference in terms of the the revenue that they generate for the university. Yeah. So that's going to be sticky. And it's all I mean, it's you can't there, you can't nail down a specific number and say this guy brought us this much money. No, because you can't. Gray. It's not just an addition of jersey sales plus ticket sales. Right. You know, there's so many nebulous factors. I will uh, read this. Munson Lester Munson also said that the conclusion was based, like we've said, primarily on the enormous revenue and benefit. Uh, that result from the efforts of the Northwestern football players and the rigorous control that the Wildcats coaches have over the lives of the scholarship athletes. That second part, we know they bring in money. That's yeah. the first part. I think the second part is important because that's, I think, almost underrated. 
You've got to eat a certain way. You've got strength and conditioning in the off season. You've got meetings. You've got film. At, at, at the end of the day, when you're not at practice, stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. Be in your playbook. Yeah. So it really is. Uh, responsibility-wise, like having a full-time job in addition to your studies. And then some. You know, all of those things combined, you know, those guys are, are putting together 70-hour weeks, I'm guessing, most of the time. They don't do much. No, um, and I, I think they almost get unfairly, like, characterized as people that are maybe taking a free ride yeah. or something like well, that. And I think different schools are different. Northwestern sure. is a very prestigious institute of higher learning, I think. Um, whereas... Some of your USC players, uh, your Matt Leinerts and your your backup uh, quarterbacks in SoCal are probably sitting in hot tubs. Matty Boy, hot tub liner. Uh, getting a rub down from some co-eds, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but interesting, nonetheless. It'll be kind of, I, I, I don't know what'll happen from here. It'll get appealed it a million feels, times. I mean, it, it could, five, six years down the road, you could still be looking at some kind of appeals process. Like that 30 for 30 that we saw Maurice Claret, yeah. not the same issue, but kind of similar in terms of amateurism, uh, challenged the NCAA's rule that he couldn't go pro after one year. He won, and then it was appealed and reversed. Right. So I think we maybe have a long way to go. And it goes through so many, like, you know, your appeals court is by district or whatever. Um, so it's like he'll end up at some court that was Some appellate court. What's an, is an appellate? A, yeah. Appellate? Yeah. Apple? It's a, it's a it's a court sponsored by Apple. It's mostly based on what fruits they eat while they're in court. Adjudicating. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting. We'll, we will monitor that for you. Johnny Football has his pro day. Speaking of lucrative athletes who are no now in Burger commercials or whatever with LeBron James. Doing the Heisman pose to LeBron. Yeah. Um, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised LeBron let that happen because Johnny hasn't proved anything on the NFL level yet. Just goes to show you, LeBron's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny has his pro day. He wears shoulder pads and a helmet, which yep. makes like every NFL evaluator spray their pants yep. a little bit. Yep. Not even um, a little bit. I think a, a, a lot, lot of bit. it. Yeah. What were your? I didn't see the pro day. I just yeah. followed it on Twitter because every five, every person of the five hundred and thirty people that I follow was tweeting about it. Yeah, your thoughts? I only caught glimpses of it. They had the TV on um, today while we were at work, and I, I was peeking at it. He he looked good. I mean, he looks good. I've I've always kind of already been a, a proponent of his, and and kind of thought that he was going to be something special. Um, he threw the ball well. I think he's got he's got great arm strength. Um, but again, you're throwing to, you're throwing to receivers who aren't being covered by anyone. They had like little defensive tackling dummies up there to give the guys them, with brooms and stuff. To yeah, rush they, did, the they did that. Um, but at the same time, these guys aren't covered. They're just for the most part running down the field. You know what I was surprised to hear? And I heard this for the first time, I think today is people coming out and saying that he has a stronger arm than Bridgewater or Bortles. Yeah. I think he's got the strongest arm in the, in the draft class. I, I guess I would, I'm no draft guru or yeah. anything like that, but I guess I would question that. If that's true, I don't care about the off-field stuff. Yeah. I mean, if that's really true, because I've always felt... He, he I can, rips it and rips it, You man. can judge, I think, accuracy pretty well. Yep. You can judge mobility, but it's hard to judge arm strength because in a college offense, it's spread. A lot of the throws are horizontal. A lot of times the guys are 10 yards more open than they would be uh, in the NFL, so it's hard to tell if they're really threading the needle. But if people think that this guy's got the strongest arm, then I don't give a damn about height yeah. or if he's too famous off the field. I'd take him first. Big hands, too. Besides that, clowning. That's one thing um, I've noticed. Like Brett Favre. It smells like cabbage. You know how yeah, 
You know, Brett Favre has monster hands. Yeah. For a guy his size, uh, Manziel's got big hands. Um, and he made, I mean, he had no trouble making the throws. You know, all those balls had plenty of mustard on them. Um, made some really nice, like, rainbow, deep rainbow throws, too. That yeah, I, I heard he had a, a 60-yard pass right on the line. Um, dropped it in the bucket, as they say. It was, And it went, I swear to God, the thing went 200 feet in the air. It was weird to watch. He's the hardest guy that I've ever... I want it. I've, he's the hardest guy I've ever looked at, and, and how do you kind of evaluate him? Because he's little, yep. which isn't prototypical. He looks kind of frail. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, where's his head at type of questions. Yeah. But he's an athlete like we've rarely seen, even though his 40 time wasn't great. I really don't care about that. He's quick. He's fast. He's got instincts. He's got moxie. It's like he's got the intangibles, but he doesn't have the off-the-field stuff. It's right. like it's like normally those two go together. He's hard to evaluate. He is hard. Here's one thing that I think is telling. 75 representatives from 30 different NFL franchises were at his pro day today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think every franchise was represented in some capacity. Yeah. Other, other than two. Who wasn't there? I don't know. I'm probably... Green Bay. Denver, I would guess. Yeah. Your Denvers and your, and your DBs and your... Maybe the Colts. Yeah. They feel pretty good. Hey, how about at. that Jim Irsay? I won't change the subject, but that's funny. Well, that's fine. Let's get into that. Jim Irsay, uh, found with $29,000 in cash. Cash! Pills in the wrong bottles. Yeah. Which sounds like a country song. Um, <laughs> Silos! And <laughs> driving erratically. That, yep. I'm glad you brought this up. I hadn't thought about this for a topic, but I should have. Yeah. Um, is like, there's a lot that's been going around in terms of like, how do you deal with this guy? Right. Um, do you discipline him more harshly than you would players since he's higher up in the NFL yeah, hierarchy? All and the money's going right in his pocket. It would seem like the height of hypocrisy if Goodell did not come down on him like he does on other NFL players. And then there's this element where you kind of don't like the guy because he's like always out on Twitter talking about all these things he's going to do and signing people, and you're wondering, is he high while he's tweeting this stuff yeah, and stuff probably. like that? Um, well, he comes in his family, um, his father, who, who owned... Uh, yeah, he had the stuff handed to him. Yeah, and his father had a huge, like, very public drinking problem. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, come, I, come down on the guy just because he's got a problem. I want, I want to come down on him hard. And, well, I'll let you come down on him. But, you know... Just because he's got a problem and maybe he's got a little silver spoon in his mouth and maybe he's a little bit arrogant, we might all be that way, given the scenario. Hmm. Um, just my thought. Yeah. But, okay, your take. I think uh, you gotta you got to come down hard. you got to punish him I agree as, with that. as hard you as you him. possibly can because he is not – I mean, he. this is the guy that, that's, you know – basically deciding the direction of one of 32 franchises in the biggest sports industry on the planet. If you can't have your head right enough not to be driving yourself around with a bunch of controlled substances and mixed up bottles and a, you know, 30 grand in cash, you could afford to have somebody driving you around. You could pay somebody to go do this for you. I mean, not that he should, not that I would support that, but the fact that he doesn't have the foresight to try anything like that really question makes me question what the hell he's doing running an NFL franchise. And kind of a successful one, too, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Makes you wonder how much he's really in control besides writing the checks. But And, and you bring up an interesting point in terms of 
he should hire someone to drive him. What I've read is the Colts tried to get him into rehab. Maybe he's been in and out. It hasn't. I mean, addiction's a tough thing to kick. Yeah. But they thought, at the very least, let's get him a driver so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. Yeah. Public embarrassment, suspension, but he refused that as well. So I think you're seeing addiction mixed with ego, mixed with money. It's pretty ugly. It's really ugly. And, you know, it's kind of... It's a little satisfying for me just because I think he's an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. and I mean, I don't blame you for that perception. It's karma. I mean, I think. You... you he has played with fire, obviously, for quite some time. Oh, if yeah. People within the organization have suggested that he get help before and suggested that he not be driving around because he's so jacked up on probably painkillers and all sorts of wacko uppers and downers, screamers, laughers. Ativan, Ambien. I don't know what it, I didn't actually read Valium and things like that. I, I just wonder. Um, it's kind of interesting, too, because like Bill Polian. Like, the classiest guy ever was the GM. And Peyton Manning, like, the classiest quarterback ever. I wonder what they thought of him, like, working directly with him. Your interaction with him, I would guess, is pretty Minimal. limited. Yeah. I mean, he's basically, he's just the money. He pays other people to make the important decisions. Probably, hopefully, because he realizes that, you know, he isn't qualified to do that. Um, but, I mean, a guy that's is probably in relatively a good mood all the time because he's rich and doesn't really have to do a whole lot for work. <laughs> He probably just smiles, writes you a, a big check, and you think the world of the guy. I mean, it's not like he's out there giving you tips on uh, on your throwing posture or X's and O's stuff. Okay, now quickly, transition. 76ers have lost 25 games in a row. Speaking of crap. Uh, still a better record than the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. How is this possible, Ben? <laughs> Things are really bad in Milwaukee, apparently. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I hate the NBA as it is, so it's just like, <laughs> you know. This Ed Field of the Fire doesn't. The rich it, get richer and the, and the poor get poorer. It's, I mean, I was just talking to a guy about this today, actually, and we both agreed that it's like, you could, in October, you could be like, okay, well, in the West, it's going to be, you know, the Thunder and the Spurs, and in the East, it's going to be the Pacers and uh, the Heat, and uh, we'll see you in five months. There's no intrigue. There's no mystery no. to the NBA. And it's the same teams. I mean, the Spurs have been the Spurs have been, you know, contenders in the West since the dawn of time. They haven't missed the playoffs in 17 seasons. So, yeah. I mean, it just show there's just the I to be honest with you, I think the biggest problem with the NBA is the draft lottery. The worst team should get the first pick no matter what. If you only have yeah, a I chance don't get why of they don't do it, it like the just, NFL. It's dumb. I think it's a I think it's a dirty system. Probably run by, you know, the uh Probably run by Jim Irsay. Yeah. Yeah, the Illuminati or something yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, yeah. Can't wait till the Lakers get the first pick despite having the fifth best odds. It's going to be awesome. But do you see what, I mean, it, it seems, and that's why you see these teams that never really climb out of holes because they don't get the, their first choice. I will say the Cleveland Cavaliers have had the number one pick twice in the last three years and or four years and just botched it both times. Yeah. Well, so sometimes it's a bad organization. Sometimes it's a bad structure. You know, there's there's actually a halo, um, a psychosphere, if you will, that surrounds Cleveland. Uh, as soon as you step into it, In you make airspace. shitty sports decisions, uh, no matter how hard you try. Okay, highlights of opening weekend of the tournament. Yeah, here are my highlights. Okay, and I'll get your reaction. The Mercer upset of Duke. What'd okay. you think of that? I liked it. I guess the more like I watched. I had thought Duke would be a, more of a contender. Yeah. Um, and I thought I, they could go deep. They had the coach. They had the star player. Yeah. I, I think 
the upset had more to do with bad play on Duke's part than it did with good play on Mercer's part. Duke kept refusing to go inside. They were bigger, they were stronger, more athletic, and they kept shooting threes, and that's a real easy way to neutralize your talent. Yeah, they just I think they just expected to cruise through that game and didn't really shift gears when it didn't when it wasn't happening they didn't you know the good teams you'll see in in those situations you know like florida um separate they'll separate they'll kind of you know stand up and say hey you know it's we need to beat this team now i don't think mercer is gonna you know make a a huge run or anything no they lost they got dump trucked by tennessee in the next round by 20 points which a lot of times the upsets are fun, yeah. but it's a one-time thing. Yeah. The teams aren't good enough to sustain. So that that's the problem with upsets usually. It's a 14 or a 13 there's, wins. There's one Cinderella yeah. out there still that I'm rooting for. Dayton? Yeah. I like Dayton. Flyers. I picked Dayton to win in the first round. Did you? Let me tell you this. <laughs> My number two highlight. My bracket is number one in both groups that I'm in. Okay. One out of 30, which is pretty good. One out of like six, which is just my family. But I'm number one in CBS and ESPN groups that I'm in, not yeah. nationwide. Nationwide, but, you're number two. I'm number two nationwide. Number one in my groups, though. What say you, Ben Sherman? I like it. Bow to me. Uh, I didn't fill one out, so I don't know what to tell you. God, you're an embarrassment. Kentucky? I would have beat you. And Wichita State was an awesome game. Did you watch that game? I did, actually. I feel kind of bad for the Shockers because Kentucky is, is no doubt, the most talented team in the country. Yeah. Probably the, even though they didn't play well, probably the most talented team we've seen in years. Yep. They've got five or six lottery picks on their team. And I didn't think it was fair for Wichita State to get them as an eight seed. I didn't think Kentucky should be an eight seed. Yeah. Um, I was disappointed in that because I thought Wichita State, they only lost by two, could have gone a lot further. It was a great game. Um, yeah, it really was. It was well played. They, I think they could have gone further, but on the same side, you know, you're going to have to play a team like that at some point. Yeah, that's true. Um, you got to beat the best to, yeah. to win. So, I mean, if they had, you know, two buckets and we're having a different conversation. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, you know, it was a little disappointing for me because I, I thought that was one of the, outside of Dayton, probably one of the better storylines in the tournament, um, especially if they had kept going. I know there's a lot of interest and support for them to try and become the first unbeaten, what, since 75 or 79? Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Something like Indiana. Bobby, Bobby Knight, Knight, yeah. yeah. Um, Coastal Carolina pushed Virginia as a 16 over a 1. I really want to see a 16 beat a 1 before I die. Do you think it will happen? I don't know. Maybe. Um, it's never say, happened before. Say the chances of it happening are getting better. The upsets, I think, get wilder as the gap between the haves and the have-nots shrinks. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here's my... I've got a little beef with people talking about their bracket getting busted. Yeah. So people will be like, you know, Mercer beat Duke. Yeah. And everyone says, oh, my bracket. Like the rest of us were over here picking Mercer. There's a guy in my office who picked Duke to win. (laughs) But it's not like the rest of us were sitting here like Duke's going out in the first round. Nobody's bracket got busted when Duke lost. Yeah. Why do people say that? I don't know. I I think um, for the most part. Just something to talk about? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it just. Am I reading too much into it? Am I getting too upset? Maybe. Okay. But, uh, you know, I, I think people look for that. People like that. Everybody likes that. Bracket busters are, you know, it's part of the fun of March Madness, I think. And people try and try and kind of dramatize that stuff when they get the opportunity because then, you know, come next year, when the, before the tournament starts, you can say, you know, that's a, a talking point for them. And yeah. I, I watched that game. You remember that game? <laughs> you know, that's it. People just want to be involved. They want to feel like they're part of it. 
I got no sympathy for that. I know. Got none. Um, Adrian Payne dropped 41 points against Delaware, even though it was Delaware. I thought that was pretty impressive. Michigan State looks tough. Yep. My two favorite teams, UCLA and Wisconsin, are in the Sweet 16. I'm pumped about that. UCLA's got a tough matchup now. Yeah, against the team that has haunted my nightmares. Florida bounced us in the national title game one year in the next game, the national semifinal, back when they had Horford and Noah. Yeah. So I hate Florida, and I'm pretty sure they're going to beat UCLA again. Um, It'd be a big win. See, I, I relish those games. even. Oh, know, yeah, nothing to lose. Because if you win them, it's just, you know, you can kind of walk out swinging, swinging deep. Yeah. If you know what I mean. But UCLA has the talent. They've got uh, a lottery pick in Kyle Anderson, who's their point forward. They've got Jordan Adams, who's a really good scorer. Talent-wise, they're probably pretty close to Florida. I just don't think coaching and totality of the team. Yeah. I, I, I just think Florida's the best team in the tournament. Florida's The thing that surprised me most, I think, about Florida is their physical condition. Yeah. Like, they have that extra gear they can kind of go into... They grind you. And they're in, those guys are in great shape and they're not going to get tired, you know? It's like Gruden's QB camp. Yeah. Um, it's just like that. Actually, I think that's what they used to train. Yeah. Probably just instructional films. Yeah. The Badgers, I wanted to ask you about, they survived their second round game or third round game, whatever the hell it's called. They're right. in the Sweet 16 now. Was it Butler tonight? Baylor. Baylor. Butler. And Baylor dump trucked whoever they played in yeah. the round before. I can't remember. Creighton. Creighton, yeah. With Dougie, Dougie, Dougie McBuckets. Dougie McBuck. I was sad about that. I was hoping, I wanted Badgers and I Wisconsin and Creighton. and Creighton would have been the ultimate white man's showdown. It would have. Um, but Baylor really destroyed them. I'm a, little, I'm a little bit nervous. How far, if the Badgers win this game, they likely play uh, Arizona in the Elite Eight. Right. How far can the Badgers go? I like their chances of beating Arizona more than I like their chances of beating Baylor. Really? Yeah. I like how weird that is. Uh, as weird as it sounds, I think just ba- they're playing Baylor at a tough. I mean, they're this is you know kind of Baylor's just hitting their stride right yeah. now. Um, a confident team, um, and it's tournament time. Arizona's been kind of on top of the the layer cake for the better part of the season, or at least in that conversation. Um, and I've never, I'm outside of you know a few schools, I've never been a big fan of Pac-12 basketball. Yeah. Um, it's just it's not quite. You know your your brand. I, I don't know. I just I, I just think that that Big Ten kind of physical approach, um, especially in the post, is something that would match up well against what Arizona does. As opposed to I think I think Baylor's, like I said, they're hot, and I think you know for whatever reason their athleticism scares me a little bit more. Yeah, um, I agree. They're a scary team. Yeah. Kentucky versus Louisville is going to be fun. Patino versus Calipari. I yeah. think UCLA versus Florida. By the time this podcast goes up, that game will be over. And then I wanted to ask you, Virginia versus Michigan State. Virginia's the one seed, yep. but Michigan State's kind of the real hot team. Yep. I guess who's the, not who do you favor, but who's the favorite? Who's the one seed in that game, even though Virginia's the one seed? It depends on who you ask, I think. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of people that are, Michigan State's a, a hot pick this year. It's yeah, a trendy are. pick. People people like it. The president. The pres. The president of the United States. Old, uh, old, old Bammy. Baracky O'Buckets. Um, Baracky O'Buckets. Um, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure I have an opinion one way. I mean, they're both good. I might lean a little bit towards Michigan. Yeah, I think so too. But half of me also leans a little bit towards Virginia. So You're half and half. I am. Um, okay, last question about the tournament. In. I know we complain kind of how college football doesn't have a playoff, right? Right. Uh, it's bothered us. But in a playoff of this size, like the NCAA tournament and length, 
Um, sometimes the real contenders season is ended by a team that's clearly not a contender, example being Mercer over Duke. So, you know, maybe the quality of the tournament is diluted a little bit by not having a team like Duke yeah. advance. Uh, but at the same time. Is that just the cost of doing business? Is that a problem? And what if we got, you know, what if we did like a, t- a tournament where 28 teams made it in? I some for, for football. For No, for basketball. Oh, for basketball. No, I, I like the tournament the way it is. I think it's perfect. I like the open field because it, it draws attention from every corner for the most part of, of the country. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't think that, I think that if you lose to Mercer as Duke, or if you're upset by another, I mean, you, you didn't deserve to win because you didn't go out and make it happen. Bottom line. I think had Duke won that game, they still would have gotten railroaded by Tennessee or whoever. Who, who beat Mercer? Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Duke just, it wasn't there this year. Yeah, they were inconsistent all year. It seemed like they relied a lot on the outside shot. I guess they always do. But it you seemed like a lot of Jabari Parker and not much else. You can't live and die by the three ball because it's not always going to fall. Even if you're the best three-point shooter in the history of Never Neverland, it's not always going to... You know what I mean? You, you need to have some, a backup plan because yeah. you'll see even the best shooting teams have cold nights. And if that's all you've got to fall back on, you're screwed. Okay. Let's take a break. Yeah. We'll come back. Yeah. Hopefully we'll come back. Uh, I, I may not. God willing and the crick don't rise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll talk some NFL news and notes, and then we'll do Answer Me These Questions. Three, four. Welcome back to the podcast at TDIS underscore Humblebrag on Twitter. Download us on iTunes, The Day in Sports. Follow us on Pinterest and Tumblr and Instagram. We don't have that many pictures up. There's not a lot of pictures to take. We're just sitting here. Yeah. Mostly pictures of my baby. And probably at this point empty beer bottles. Yeah, that's already up there as one of those pictures. Just a bunch of empty beer bottles. Well done by us. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun. Dijon. Um, His name should be Dijon. I don't understand. Okay, so he's on the trade market. Yeah. I don't understand why he's being pushed around for a third-round pick. The guy had almost 1,400 receiving yards last year. Dynamic kick returner, punt returner. Um, First of all, do you think it would be... I think it would be ludicrous for the Eagles to trade him for a third-round pick. Your thoughts? I agree. Absolutely. Especially considering the fact that the Seattle Seahawks... The chickens. Gave, gave a first-round pick for Percy Harvin, who we, I would kind of compare to Sean Jackson. But has not been as healthy. No. No, he hasn't been. Um, I think Deshaun Jackson is, is worth a first or second-round pick. Absolutely. a third. If you take a third-rounder, I don't even know that I would take a second-rounder for him. I don't think you'll find that kind of talent in the first round. No. No. I That's, mean, Cordero Patterson was a steal late in the first yeah. round, and he's that same type of, obviously a bigger guy, but yeah. hybrid, explosive playmaker type guy. And he is... Um, a little, yeah, he's a little bit different just because I, there was a big question mark with him as far as, you know, he played one Division One season and yeah. they weren't really sure how he would grasp the playbook. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure if he needs to grasp it. They're just like, give, give him the ball. Give him the ball and let him do some wacky stuff. But Deshaun Jackson, by all accounts, is a, a pretty savvy football player, um, a great receiver. He's got a lot of speed. 
and a dangerous weapon in many facets of the game. So here are some teams that have been rumored to either be a fit or be interested, and we'll talk about them. Okay. okay. Let's start with my team. Of course. You want it. The 49ers. I don't see it happening, though. I don't see it happening. They're only 3.7 under the cap, and he costs $10 million. They've got 11 draft picks, which is more than anybody, and only two positions of need. So yeah. it doesn't make sense. You only need a corner and a receiver. Right. Why, why pay $10 million? Well, you may not even need a corner. You have Chris Cook. That's true. Corner and receiver, <laughs> and you've got two needs, so you would think use your draft picks, move up, make seven selections, and get the best seven guys that you can. Yeah. But I will say, if they were somehow able to get to Sean Jackson, season over. In my opinion, yeah, don't play the season. I mean, <laughs> you've got... Just think about it. Just think about That's that team. That's why they play the game. But just think about it on paper. I know it's on yeah. paper, but top two, three defense yep. in the books. Yep. Kaepernick, Gore, Vernon Davis, two excellent possession receivers in Crabtree and Bolden. The third guy, who you've been kind of missing all this time, they only had Bol- they, they didn't have Crabtree for 11 games last year, so they only had both those guys for a little bit. Yep. Now you'd have Bolden, Crabtree, plus your slot guy, Jackson, who also has the speed element, probably the fastest guy in the league. Yep. So Kaepernick could uncork the deep ball, which he hasn't been able to do, yeah. and... You solve your kick return, punt return issues by putting him back there as well. I think it would be a huge move. Well, it would be. I just don't think they can afford it. No. Um, not going to do it. No, not, not going not to work here anymore. Um, I do think... I'm fine with them not they'd doing have to get rid. They'd have to get rid of somebody. Yeah. And who would that be? Besides Chris Cole. I was going to say Frank Gore. I could see Frank Gore. I, you know, like the, but the Eagles don't want him. You know... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess you could cut him. It's it's just to make the room. I mean, they've got the picks that they could probably compensate. Oh yeah, that way they've got three third rounds, two second rounds. But in they, the first. there's the they'd have to make at least another what seven million dollars in space. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, you're right. The dollars and cents just don't add up. And the funny thing is, like, depending on who you listen to, the 49ers are either not interested at all yeah. or hotly pursuing. Or there's no there's no uh, in between for them. No, they're not lukewarm. Um, but just, also, if, the sources are just bullshit, I if, think. If I was uh, a GM in the NFL, I would just, like, spread rumors like wildfire. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, we're going to take him. We're going to take him in the first round. Just trick people all the time. I think that's a lot of what goes on this time of year, yeah. too. Um, the Jets are a rumor. Yeah. Let me paint a picture. Okay. Okay, the defense is really pretty good. Don't forget the happy little bushes in the corner. Happy cloud here. Yep. They've got some they've got a really good defense, some good personnel. Sheldon Richardson they got in the first round last year on yep. D line. He's a he's a player. Um so I really like their defense. Rex Ryan can handle that. Michael Vick, I'm not saying he's great or anything. Yeah. But I think he can win you games. Yeah. And maybe Geno Smith progresses, maybe he can win you games. I think they can cobble something together at quarterback. And then if you've got Eric Decker and then Deshaun Jackson comes in, I think Deshaun is your number one. Mm-hmm. And then Decker's a really pretty good number two. Yeah, one and almost even one and one A. Yeah, so yeah. I think that that slides Decker into the appropriate role, no matter where you line him up. At least he's got someone on the other side, and then you've got the 18th overall pick to maybe go get a tight end, another weapon, whatever it might be. I like Deshaun Jackson to the Jets. I do. I think though, there's just the quarterback there is just too big of a question mark. I could really see both of those guys flopping. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It could be a total garbage fire. And Deshaun is not the type of guy you want when you're rebuilding things. If there were, I, you know, what's weird is if I could have picked one team that was likely to grab Michael Vick outside of Philadelphia, I would have been like Rex Ryan. He'll probably do yeah, it. Yeah, the Jets will do it. 
I just they're it's all flash in New York. It's all it's all about like uh, Oakland East names. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe Al Davis is buried in, in the Meadowlands somewhere. Could be. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I like. I mean, for the offense minus a quarterback, it would make perfect sense. I mean, it yeah. really would. And they're, they're they're locked up at the running back position. They've got some depth there with Chris Ivory, but I just don't see anyone. I don't think Michael Vick has the wherewithal or arm anymore to to throw that deep ball. And I don't know that Geno Smith ever will. Yeah, I agree. The Browns. Ooh. I think that's an interesting uh, selection. They've got Josh Gordon, who last year proved that he's probably a top five receiver in the league. Yep. Got Jordan Cameron, who I think made the Pro Bowl, or at least should have, at tight end. It came on really strong. So if you added Jackson, you've got three Pro Bowl-level targets. You've got a good defense. You've got the fourth pick. So maybe Adam Menzel, Bridgewater, Bortles, whatever. Yeah. I like that. That could work out. I mean, out of the ones that we've talked about at this point, it seems like that would be a good one. the best fit, depending on what they do at quarterback. And it wouldn't hurt to have a, a veteran guy like Deshaun Jackson for a, a rookie quarterback either. Um, that being said, it is Cleveland. Yeah. And they'll probably, you know, end up picking – some fourth round punter, you know, with the whatever, what the third or fourth overall pick. I don't know. They're just idiots. The Raiders are a contender. They just got Matt Schaub. I actually like that move. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think it was a perfect storm of, it was a perfect shit storm for Matt Schaub yeah. in Houston last year. And I think he's still young enough, 32. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not a spring chicken. Get but out he's of not, Houston. He's not old. He never relied on arm strength. I think he's competent. Yeah. And he can win you eight, nine games, ten games yeah. if you have a really good roster. And so I would say with the fifth pick, with Deshaun Jackson, they're, uh, they re-signed Darren McFadden. They're vetting Maurice Jones-Drew right now. Yeah. And they've done a lot on defense, um, bringing in Terrell Brown mm-hmm. at corner, Lamar Woodley, Justin Tuck. So they, they're kind of doing a veteran movement in Oakland. Um, I'm not sure... Deshaun would really fit there perfectly because I'm not sure, like the Jets, they quite have the quarterback, right. but it'd be a nice talent addition. And Matt Schaub, like you said, I mean, that could be a, that could potent, I mean, that's a tough division to make the playoffs in. Yeah. Um, but a, a wild card possibly. Um, and Deshaun Jackson isn't just, he's not just a one note, a one trick pony. He's not just a, a deep threat. Um, you know, you can do a lot with him, you know, similar to what you would do with Percy Harvin, set up some screens for him. Just get him into open space and let him run, pretty much. Um, but I don't think that's a terrible move. Last fit, probably my favorite fit, just because I guess they need it. The Patriots, yeah. I've heard. Um, obviously, Tom Brady, Vince Wilfork, weird negotiation contract situation, yeah. injury situation there. But they don't have a whole lot at receiver. But if you brought Gronkowski back healthy mm-hmm. and added Deshaun Jackson... Tom Brady would be in heaven compared to what yeah. he's had. Well, and, and I think they got enough out of Kembrell Tompkins towards the end of the season to have him be able to step into that number two spot, you know, two, two A, whatever. And they got Edelman back. And they got Edelman back. Um, I think that that would give them, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady would be in heaven. He's, he's still got a little gas in the tank, I think. And especially with a weapon like that, um, that would create the most success, I think, out of all of those options. Yeah, probably. Besides the 49ers, obviously. Yeah, well. Duh. I like how that was the top one on the list. Well, I was number two, but then I moved it up. Yeah, 
course. I just do think it'd be game over if they got it him. It would be. But they just don't have the money. Who, I mean, unless they can get rid of seven million bucks. Who? Yeah, who they'd have salary? to either restructure yeah. or uh, a couple of guys or cut somebody. What is, uh, what's Frank making here? About six. 6.5. So I would be... I've got to be loyal to him, though. He's done yeah, nothing but no, everything no. I'm totally happy with if you just need a corner and you need a receiver and you've got 11 picks, you should be able to find that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it'd be fun to watch. It would be fun. Mostly it for would, you. I'd be, I, I'm a good fan. I'll be happy either way. You get Deshaun, I'll write an article about how we're going to win the Super Bowl. We don't get Deshaun. I already wrote an article about <laughs> how, how we're going to win the Super Bowl. About how we're going to win the... No, about how it was a good approach to be conservative. Yeah. It makes sense. There you go. Jared Allen, your boy, yeah, to the Chicago Bears. We're talking a minimum eight Pete here, Bob. Um, eight Pete. Is he an upgrade over Julius Peps? No, 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 no. He's not. Um, not at this point in his career. I don't think he is. I think it's uh, at best a wash. Yeah. Um, I don't get that because it was similar money. I don't know why, like Dante Whitner for T.J. Ward, and then yeah. I, I don't know why. Allen for Peppers. I don't know why these weird swaps take place. Can anyone explain this to me? Your guess is as good as mine. I, I My concern, if I were Chicago, I mean, I would be concerned. Julius Peppers may have lost a step and maybe wasn't the edge pass rusher that he once was. But a guy that's big and, big and long like that is still effective in run stopping and in, you know, kind of that scheme. Jared Allen is... When he stays home, can be a great run stopper, but he's not home very often. You know, he shoots up the field <laughs> immediately. Yeah, he shoots up the field immediately. If you run the ball at him, you know, show him a, a pass formation, he pins his ears back, and you you audible to a, a quick run right over to There's nobody that's going to be home. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, trying to figure out like, what the over-under is on how many sacks Jared Allen will have in the next year. I think it's going to go down. I think he'll have less than 10. I think I, I would say like seven or eight. Yeah, would be a good. He's good indicator. What is it? Seven. He's never had less than double digits. I don't think. I yeah. I was looking at his stats and it was like ten, twelve, and then you go back a few years, like eighteen, fourteen, uh, 16. He was a half sack away from the record that one year. Um, I just I don't see it. He's I really like him as a person and as a player. He always you know he works hard. He does everything that he's that is asked of him. Um, and I, I totally understand that, you know, his decision to go there because it's money, man. This is, you're not doing this for free. You might as well maximize your income. At the same time, I don't think it's going to work out well. I mean, I guess he is playing against a couple of weak offensive lines in that division. Yeah. Um, being, and I do, I, I would guess Detroit. Um, I'm not really s- still sold on Green Bay's offensive line. Um, especially on that side. Speaking of uh, Green Bay's weak offensive line, my folks in Hawaii just ran into David Bakhtiari. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he practicing? He was with his brother, who apparently was a practice squad player for the 49ers at one point. Were they rubbing each other with oil? Rubbing their bodies together, rubbing their boobies together. I don't like the name Bakhtiari. It reminds me of Baklava. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The state of the Chicago Bears. My question to you. When I look at their offense, I see Jay Cutler, who I don't love, but he's good enough. Low blood sugar. Low blood sugar. Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett. That's a really good offense. They've got Lamar Houston, now Jared Allen at the ends defensively. Bostic and Briggs, Tillman and uh, Tim Jennings at corner. I just feel like, and they've even got an improving offensive line with Kyle Long and, and, and Bushrod, who they brought in last year. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like this team is going to be 9-7 and seven forever. Yeah. I always feel like... I feel that way I always too. feel like the Packers are going to be one. Mm-hmm. 
the Vikings and the Lions may fluctuate and jump and steal the division for a year. Yep. But the Bears will always be number two. I don't get it. Two or three. I mean, they're never going to be four, but they're. I I just pegged them at three most years. Why is that? I don't know. I really don't. I like their new coach. I like Tressman. I think they're doing some innovative things on offense. I don't think they have enough, though. I I think Jake Cutler has hamstrung them, and he will continue to do so. Yeah. Why they gave him the kind of money they did is beyond me. Um, yeah, it'd be hard to sell letting him go. Right, but for what you're paying him, I feel like you know you could find something. Like the guy in your bench, McCown, yeah, who I went mean, for two years and ten. Played better than Jay, old Jay Sugarfree Tears Cutler did. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think defensively they lost the brain behind the operation when Lovey left. Obviously, that yeah. was his deal. And that defense um, still played okay this last year. But it's despite the talent, they underperform, I think. No Sean Moreno to the Dolphins. To the Finns. Big move, not a big move. Yeah, yeah. I like No Sean. He's just a guy. It's running backs for me. He's a jag. It's more dependent. Just a guy. It's more dependent on on the offensive line. You can be the greatest running back in the league, but if your line sucks and can't pick up a blitz or run block properly, you know you're going to be up a creek without a paddle, no matter what. So the Dolphins add No Sean, and they have a terrible offensive line. I should add. They did add Brandon Albert, left tackle. Yeah. Who's Good, not great left tackle. And Cortland Finnegan to the defense. So. Oh, I hate Cortland Finnegan. That's why he's good. Oh, I just want to punch him everybody hates until him. he stops living. He was in my division. Believe me, I hate him too. But maybe a decent offseason for the Dolphins. Yeah. Do you hate Cortland Finnegan? Really? Yes. Remaining NFL free agents, <laughs> I do hate Cortland Finnegan. Don't we all? We can't Bring start. him on the podcast, I'll tell him. It's the red-headed, like, jerk thing. Get him on the podcast, Eric. Start it's texting like, him. It's It's like he's a jerk. And then his hair makes you feel like the, he's even more the anger more. Remaining NFL free agents. Okay. I just want just I'm just gonna go down the list. You tell me difference maker or not, wherever okay. they sign. I'm in. Jermichael Finley. Not a difference maker. Really? He wasn't a difference maker with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. How is he gonna be a difference maker with Joe Pudd throwing him the ball? I have to ask Eric, difference maker or not. Yeah, he is a freak athlete. Like I agree with him. If his head is on straight, he can do some things. His head's and never on straight, though. I, just, yeah, I don't think. He's got his it's head an F. It's, it's, a big it's a big F. Okay. Sean Phillips, pass rusher. <sighs> That's a tough one. Had 10 sacks, I think, for Denver last year. I still don't think he's good. Okay. Santonio Holmes. No. He's too old. LeGarrette Blunt. <laughs> he punches. Uh, eh, maybe. Maybe he is. <laughs> I do maybe. like LeGarrette Blunt, actually. You know, he, for a guy his size, um, he moves pretty well. If you put him in the right system, um, with a good, a good offensive line, back. he could be he could be the best he could be the the back that um Lendale White wanted to be. Yeah. Okay. Maurice Jones Drew. No. Isn't that sad? He used to be like the best back in the league like three years Pocket ago. Pocket Hercules, but two years ago. It's it's running backs is always it's, offensive line. It happens so fast though, too, doesn't it? They age it's it's a very rare breed of running back that can maintain that kind of um talent after taking that kind of beating for that long. My next guy, Miles Austin, let me just say, he only has 4,000 career receiving yards. Yeah. I thought he was better than that. Oh. But uh, he had like, like two spectacular years, and then two years ago had 900-some yards yep. and then got injured. Yeah. Yes or no? No. Anybody okay. who is ever involved with Kim Kardashian gets a solid no from me. Get a solid yes from me. Uh, Kevin Williams, Minnesota Vikings free agent. If in the right situation, I think Kevin could be. Um, like backup? 
rotational guy. Not even so much that. Like, if you put him next to a Vince Wilfork or a guy of that stature, you put him next to a big guy that's kind of reminiscent of Pat Williams, I think he's still got enough in the tank to to be the big cat and and be a little uh, a little dangerous out there. It was sad. He was like the best player in the league for he's, a while. He's still really good, I think. Um, okay, You're they, he may he may come back to Minnesota still. They haven't ruled that out. I don't understand when they've got Linville Joseph and Sharif Floyd why they're trying to pay Henry Melton and then retain Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams, they've left. You know, I think it's gotten to a point with him where they've they've talked and said, look, you know, you're. We would like to do this, but we've got to take care of this other stuff first. Minimum deal. And I don't think he cares enough about the money at this point in his career to really make an effort to go out there and sell himself. If it works out, he's comfortable in Minnesota. He knows the system. He knows the coaches. Um, I'm not sure that he is ambitious enough to go out there and, and really, you know, I still got it and, and learn a new system and try and prove himself all over again. The NFL bothers me because guys drop off the map due to injuries so fast. Like yeah. Jermichael Finley... Was a rising Pro Bowl type player. He had like one good season though, right? But I mean, physically, you could just see. He's so spotty. That was my. I, I always thought, like, I looked at him, I was like, you should be the best. That's tight what end I'm saying. In football. That's what I'm saying is athletically, and now. But it just doesn't not. matter. Santonio Holmes was what, like a Super Bowl MVP a couple yeah. of years ago with Pittsburgh. Now, yeah, Maurice Jones Drew was like the second best running back in the league like two years ago. Miles Austin was a top five, 10 receiver a few years ago. Now, not Kevin Williams. Was maybe the best defensive tackle in the league. Now, not. He's been around. Kevin's old, though. I mean, it's not even so much injury as he's been around for what? It feels like I'm getting old. We are getting it's old. It's upsetting me. It is. I, can't, I don't know who these new swashbucklers are. <laughs> it's upsetting me. Okay. And, you, and the TV's, it's not loud enough. You're turning it up. You're turning it up. It's still too, yeah. Uh, uh, the music's still loud. Owen Daniels. The music's still too loud, but you can't hear it anymore. <laughs> is that Billy Crystal? City Slickers. Yeah. Owen Daniels. Tight end. No. Okay. And Jermichael Finley is in a different picture. Okay. Owen Daniels could go die in a pile of garbage and nobody would notice. Sorry, that was really mean. Okay. Um, Kenny Britt, wide receiver. The funny thing about Kenny Britt is I thought somewhere in the annals of Kenny Britt, there had to be a 1,000-yard season. I thought it was pronounced Kenny Britt's anus. Somewhere in Kenny Britt's anus, there <laughs> had to be a 1,000. That might be the title of the podcast. Uh, somewhere in Kenny Britt's anus. Sneaky guy over here. <laughs> um, I thought there had to be like a 1,000-yard season that makes everyone like, that's why he's Mr. Potential. Yeah. And he's, you know, like, didn't you think like somewhere along the line he did something? His best year was like 700 yards. Why are people fu- in on that's this? That's the funny thing is like, it just shows you how good some of these like front office people are at marketing players that, you know. He was a first round oh, pick. Oh, man, his, his, you know, coming out of college, there's some buzz there. I think he could see a resurgence. He's got to get out. He's in Tennessee now, right? Did he sign with the Rams? I don't know. He's just, he's just got to get out in Tennessee. I mean, get somewhere else. Get you know, start over. Change your name to, you know, Kenny Britt's anus. Kenny Britt's anus, and uh, you know it'll be better. According I, to Twitter, thirty-two minutes ago, Kenny Britt's still evaluating his options. If you mash them together, you could really pronounce it differently too, like Kenny Britanus or something like that. Kenny Britanus. Yeah. Tony Britano. Um, okay, off NFL. I'm done with it. Okay. I'm through. Um, there's a rumor floating around, and I, I love rumors, um, that Tom Izzo could be a target for the Detroit Pistons this coming offseason. Now, Ben, you hate the NBA. I do. So I'm going to ask this to hopefully set you off. Yeah. <laughs> would, <laughs> would, go, <laughs> would going from Mich- Michigan State to the Pistons 
in the coaching world be an upgrade or a downgrade? What do you think? Well, I don't know. You're you're moving up to the professional ranks. It's all about branding in sports. Yeah, that's true. There are college teams that have the better... Pistons used to be a good brand. <laughs> Pistons haven't been a good brand since Joe Dumars played. They could revitalize it. Uh, here's my thing. The Michigan State is a huge brand, um, especially in basketball. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing more of these coaches nowadays who value the NBA less. And it's more about, I mean, he's built that organization for how long? For ads. It's got his name on it. Who, I just, it's like, you know, having a, a classic car that you restored and it's, you know, it's finally humming along just the way you want it to. And some, somebody else comes along and asks you to trade cars and, you know, it's a, maybe a, a, Nicer car with a better, uh, better return on investment, but you're still giving away the car you worked so hard, put your blood, sweat, and tears into away to some idiot who might crash it into a tree and burn it down. It's kind of like when you're the mayor of a town and you've got it yeah. wired. You've been there which for... we know a lot about. Yes, for you know, let's say you've been the mayor for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You've got the keys to the city. Mm-hmm. You never pay for a drink. Yeah, whatever. Would you go be the governor just because? I mean, it's a step up, but. It's not going to be as comfortable. You're not a god anymore. That type of well, stuff. Well, I think you see more coaches, um, great basketball coaches, prolific basketball coaches that are absolutely content of being college coaches for their entire careers. Yeah. You're, you're Mike Krzyzewski's, um Tom Izzo's not a spring chicken. Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan, <laughs> the crypt keeper. Uh, I don't think he'd do well in the NBA. Well, it, it'd be hard to fit his coffin uh, on the team bus. Yeah. Get um, it? Because he's old. Okay, last question on Izzo. Would it enhance who he is as a coach? No. Resume and reputation. If he could go to the Pistons and win. It, it's, that's Be a, another notch, right? I, to some people, the NBA, winning in the NBA to me is, I mean, it's about as trivial as, you know, winning at It's Twister. not, though. If he went to the Pistons, to him, to, I mean, who have been nowhere for 10 years or whatever, okay. he would be, okay, so. They're not going to win a championship. I'm just saying. It would take 20 years. If you remove... Okay, so everything's constant with the Pistons over the last 10, 15 years. Except he's, for the uniforms. He's the variable. Okay. So you, you bring him in and they start winning. That's obviously going to be attributed to him. Well, but what what what's the end game here? That he wants another job further down the line outside of no, Michigan? No, but these guys are competitors. That's all I'm saying is I think... I think he wants to win... I think he wants a national championship, another national championship in Michigan. So if he gets one Michigan this year, if he gets number two... Yeah. Last one was in like early Maybe. 2000. Would he leave? I don't think so. Okay. I just I there are guys that you look at and you say he's he's just a, a a college basketball. You're you're Bob Knights. You're you know. I tend to agree with you. I don't think that I, I don't. It's think, like a code amongst them or something. I don't think he needs it for his resume. I don't think I mean, it would he wants be good. It. I don't think it would be good for him. No. I don't. I mean, I don't know if he wants. And who it, knows but... if he wants to move from what is it from Ann Arbor down to no? They're in East Lansing. From East Lansing to down Detroit. to. De- Detroit, but um, the D. But I do think if he went there and won, it would be just another notch saying this is one of the greatest coaches of all time. That's all I'm saying, and I that's just, attractive to these types he's, of guys. He's not even the greatest coach in his own, um, in his own on his own stage right now. Do you see what I'm saying, Coach K? Yeah, I've got to transition. Okay, to Coach K. All right, Vitamin K said he will coach five more years at Duke. By that point, he's already the, the he's already number one in wins. By that point, we'll have perfected cryogenic freezing, and he'll be able to live forever. Yeah, that's true. He'll be able to coach Duke till the end of time. He already leads all time with nine hundred and eighty-three wins. Which, if you think about how many thirty-win seasons that is, that's like more than thirty. Thirty. Yeah. 
Um, he's won four titles. Is he the greatest college basketball coach of all time? And I think there's only a conversation between him and John Wooden, mm-hmm. who won 10 national championships. That'll probably never happen again. But it was a different era. Who you got? I mean, it's it's definitely, at this point, I, I think, you know, I would I only have seen Mike That Krzyzewski, That makes it hard. Uh, which makes it a little bit more difficult. It, especially if he coaches for five more years and this team continues to stay in relevance or maybe makes another Final Four appearance possibly another national championship. It's no question. I mean, he did more in a shorter amount of time, I think, than anybody could have fathomed being done in in college basketball, which is arguably the toughest um, non-professional sporting sport, non-professional sport, <laughs> sporting sport, sporting sport. Uh, to, to coach, I think, because it, you have to win a 64-team tournament to get a national title. It's not like a playoffs in the in in the NBA or the or the NFL. So or, you're saying he's better than Wooden, in my opinion. But I my opinion is a little uninformed, like I said, because I didn't get to see a many John Wooden teams. Wooden won eight in a row. Um, so again, I didn't see it either. He did have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He yeah. had Bill Walton. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Shashevsky had Leitner. He had Grant Hill. Basketball he turned had into something Hurley. different. He had Jason though. Williams. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. He's he's had great players too. I'm split because I I'm a UCLA guy, but I think I'm able to kind of distance that because I'm just looking at. It. I'm a basketball fan. Yeah. And the 983 wins is preposterous. It is. It's and absolutely in pre- five more years. But ten championships is ridiculous too. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Coach K didn't win it this year. He'd have to win six more times. Can you imagine that? What was the field in the NCAA tournament in the I don't 60s? know about that. Was it 64? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it may have been by the time he was done. Yeah. And even if it was, it would not have mattered. You do see a little bit. I think you see a little bit of the the game has changed, obviously. Yeah. Um, You don't have Wilt the Stilt camping out and scoring 100 down beneath the peach basket. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Krzyzewski, with five more years, say he wins even 20 games a year, another 100 wins, it'll be over 1,000. You know, it's I can't just, put anybody over one. I just can't do it. Oh, that's, that's fine. It's too I, many rings. I just never, I never saw. You know, I yeah. I know basketball, and I mean, the the talent pool is fathoms deeper now than it ever was then. I think, and that's your, true. you know, the disparity is less now than it was then. You know, the the most talented players then, it was a joke to give them the ball, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in college. Give it was unfair. Ball, give him the ball and, and watch him just run circles around guys and jump right over them. And... It should be noted, though, that freshmen weren't allowed to play when Wooden started. So he didn't have access to him for a year. Or Bill Walton. They also weren't leaving as early. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's interesting. Well, I said it, too. We're saying it. We're both saying it at the same time. I like that. No, I, I, yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay, we'll take a brief break, come back, finish up with Answer Me These Questions 3. Yeah. Welcome back to the podcast. My favorite segment that we do, because I don't know why. I don't got reasons. I just do what I do. Uh, answer me these questions three. 
Are you ready, Ben Sherman? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go. Okay, because you're still thinking of your questions. No, I don't. I'm, you go first. Okay. I'm wow you like I always do. You do always tend to wow me I with do. your questions. I don't know how you do that. If, Ben Sherman, yeah. you could select, I may have asked you this before, but I'll ask you again. If you could select one baseball player to build a franchise around, who would it be? That's a good question. So you can go pitcher, position player, I don't care. I'd have to go with position player, I think. Okay. Um, Just because I hate pitchers. Yeah. Fascist. You know, I would probably go with, and in current Major League Baseball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. All right. All right. That's fair. Young. Yeah. Can do it all. Five-tool guy. Yeah. Um, and Major tool. But, I mean, he showed the chutzpah, um, you know, coming right out. A lot of guys kind of shrink in the spotlight when they first get into the, the show. Old uh, New Jersey Mike didn't do that. And I, I just like what he does. Second question. Okay. Who is your favorite author? It's probably between two, I would say. Chuck Poloniak. Four. Okay. Maybe about seven. Yeah. Tolstoy. Tolstoy. Um, I'm a big George R. R. Martin guy. Okay. We all know that. Yep. That's been established. Weird. I'm also a big Tolkien guy. Okay. Um, what separates the two? But I'm going to kind of go out of the box a little bit. Sure. Um, I really like Ernest Hemingway. Ooh. The Old Man and the Ben Sherman. I'm not a big fan of that book. <laughs> but I, I, I just, I'm a big Hemingway guy. I mean, um, for whom the bell tolls. Uh, it tolls for thee. It's, I mean, just the sun also rises. There's just some great contemporary American literature that you just can't quite beat. I also like F. Scott Fitzgerald. The big John Fowles guy, the Magus. Oh, yeah. French Lieutenant's Woman. The Magus. Awesome book. That's your favorite, isn't it? Number one all time. Yep. Uh, that wasn't my question. I just stepped in <laughs> with my literary knowledge. Step. Um, okay. Okay. This is one that I've, I've been watching The West Wing. A lot of stuff happens in the situation room. Okay. So, if you were to have a role in the military, Ben Sherman, any branch, uh -huh. any position, yep. what would it be? Easy. <laughs> Easy. I would be a Navy pilot. Yes! That's what I thought! I was going to say Navy SEAL, you could be a five-star general, yeah. you could be a pilot. I want to be a pilot, too. I want to be a Navy pilot. Do you think that they would want me as a pilot? No. I don't think they'd want it. Either of us for anything but, like, cleaning poop out of buckets. I was going to say my second role would be a chef. I want to be a Navy pilot, though. You get to take off from, like, aircraft carriers, um, Maverick. Yeah. You've you got know? the weird, like, wire that you land on and yeah. it stops you. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, yeah. Dangerous. Navy pilot. And it's just, like, the flyboys, man. You walk with a little, got a little swagger in your walk. My grandpa was a Navy pilot. Those guys are, you got to gotta have a, a set of brass, uh, brass instruments yeah for sure lots of them all right i'm up you ready yeah okay you're gonna like these okay okay so if you had been alive yes in um about pilgrim times say so 1600s let's let's push it like 17 okay. like early 1700s yeah um imagine yourself as a, in a colony okay what job would you see yourself doing and why? What role would you fill in, in those kinds of communities or society? There's the town crier. Yeah. What does that do? Just cries things? He basically, yeah, news, um, yeah. tells people, I think, what time it is sometimes. I think I would be good at that because okay. I'm loud. Yeah. Um, there's the blacksmith, mm -hmm. which I would be horrible at. Yep. I'm not real good with physical labor. <laughs> there's a lot of other physical labor things. But, I mean, you still there. there were, at that point, you know, News people printing. I think I could be such. like a magistrate. Okay. What does a magistrate do? 
like your local governor, kind of? Yeah. Give me magistrate. You want that? Yeah, I'll okay. take that. Feather in my cap. Feather in your cap? Yeah. All right. Second question. <clears throat> you are stranded on a desert island. Yes. Is Eric there? No. Oh. If you want him to be there, you can. Kind of. Um, you have. You can choose either a book, one book, or one movie to take with you. Ooh, I know we talked about the Magus, yeah. but let's eliminate that one because we already know that's your favorite. Oh. So outside of the Magus, you know, you can choose one book, one movie. Um, if you want to go wild card and choose uh, an album of music, you could do that as well. Okay. I feel like rap is kind of like my, my zone, mm -hmm. but I feel like if you're on a desert island, you want something a little more existential. So I'm going to go Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. Okay. Get really weird with it. Maybe hang myself from a coconut tree. You should. Um, book. I can't do the Magus. Right. Well, we've already established that as your overall okay. favorite. If I'll, you get, I'll, do... get, I'll get rid of it. Um, I'm going to do another weird one for a movie. Yeah. Um, I thought about Dumb and Dumber. Okay. to make me feel good, but I'm mm -hmm. not going to do that. I'm going to do Apocalypse Now. That's a good one. Love that movie. Yeah. Really strange. The Redux or just the original version? Original version. Okay. Really, really get weird with it. Okay. Um... Book, 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 book. Ah, got it. What is it? Francis Bacon's The New Atlantis. It's this really weird book, but it's philosophical and kind of political, which yeah. I really dig. And I feel like I'd want this as company uh, on the island. And it's about how these sailors in like the 1700s find this civilization on a remote island that has built itself completely uh, around science. Science be praised. It, science be praised. And it's so it's got all this, it's like light years ahead of any other civilization. Correct. And I always thought that was kind of an interesting premise. So I'll go New Atlantis. I like it. Shout out to uh, my political science department, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Well done. Last question. Yeah. What is the minimum price for which you would sell your soul? So I'm going to. The very smallest thing. I'm going to help. Yeah, you're you're eternally damned. I wouldn't then. There's no. There's well, nothing. Well, okay. There's got to be something. No. There's nothing. Why would you sell your soul for eighty years here when you got to be miserable forever in hell? It could be miserable either way. You never know. Is there anything? Well, there I anything mean, can you get no? Because there's no. Because I I'm just very simple man. What about if you could become the head coach of the 49ers and win a Super Bowl every year for the rest of your life? I'd only want one. One? One and done, and I just walk off the stage. All right. Um, but no, I don't I think I would like sell... I felt like I was going to get you to bite on this one. Let's say it's 50-50. Can we make that, that I'm yeah. going to heaven or hell? I'm yeah. selling my soul, and there's a chance I'm going to hell. Can we do that? Because if I'm yeah. going to hell, I'm yeah. not selling my yeah, soul. Yeah, it'll be a coin toss. Yeah. Okay, so what's the price? Yeah. Monetary? Anything. Anything you could have. So what would I want most want. in the world is basically Anything. the question. Yeah. Um... I would want to live in Eric LeJune's beard as a midget. <laughs> and then I'd come out and I'd punch him right in the news. No. um, I don't know. Coach of the 49ers is pretty good. What about establishing a strong male line that will live on forever? I already did that. I already did that. But you can guarantee, like... A know, game, living inside a Game of Thrones, riding dragons would be pretty cool. That is a cool. real wish. Yeah. Um... Really, I'm I'm a I'm a hermit at yeah. heart. Yep. So what I would like 
is like to win the mega lottery, something or other. Yeah. Like four or five hundred million dollars, yeah. and then just never have to see anybody again. Yeah. Move and to I, a deserted island, Vine Island. I would move somewhere where there was really good restaurants and cable. And cable. Yeah. And that's all I would do. There you go. Is just go out to eat and drink. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably do the same thing. That's what I would. That's I would come visit you. Die though. pretty early. I would. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going. I would drink here. myself and eat myself to death very quickly. Yeah. There we go. That was the last one. I love questions three. I know. I wish it was questions a million. I feel like you like it. You like answering the questions at least as much as you like asking them. Oh, probably more. I think I was giving you a little bit more. Credit. Yeah, you're giving me the benefit of the doubt. It tickles my fancy. Your imagination. You like to spark up that imagination. Yeah. No, I don't have any friends. I'm sitting here all day <laughs> writing weird stuff, emailing people. I would just like to see if someone just emailed me that I didn't even know, just asking me weird questions. Just yeah. ask me some questions. That maybe that's what you'd sell your soul for. Talk up, yeah. Talk about it on the podcast. That's it. We're done. Thank you for checking it out. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Yeah. If you want to see my funny ass tweets at tdis underscore humblebrag. Uh, if you want to see our awesome article, thedayinsports.com. Our Instagram is on our website, so you can see Ben Sherman's beautiful face. It's pretty good. It's really good. Uh, thank you for checking out, and we will catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>